Well, hello. My name's Sam Quirk. I'm also joined by Simon Trinker. Uh, we're your co-hosts today and uh, the um, co-organisers of Customer Success Australia Meetup. We're really pleased that you've, um, that you've gotten yourselves involved in this community of customer success practitioners and that you're here with us tonight for our first event. Just a little bit of housekeeping. So we're on Zoom tonight. Please stay uh, muted throughout the meeting, or sorry, the, the event. Um, you can ask any questions that you'd like to our awesome panel tonight through Slido. Just hit head to slido.com and put in the code 460652. Simon's popped that link in the chat there. Answer any questions, upvote ones that you want to hear from. And at the end of the panel discussion uh, tonight, we will be uh, directing those to our panellists and, and get those questions answered for you. And a bit of an agenda. So uh, we're going through the welcome now. We'll jump into the panel discussion covering the state of um, the, the state of CS in Australia. Then we'll move into a, a Q&A and then uh, networking in some Zoom breakout rooms. We've seen that a lot of people are looking to get uh, some networking opportunity out of this meetup, connect with customer success uh, professionals from around Australia. And we want to make sure that we are facilitating that for you, even though we are meeting online. So a bit about this meetup to start and set the scene. So our mission is to foster an environment of collaborative growth for customer success professionals here in Australia. We're trying to build a flourishing CS community where members have the opportunities to learn, network and grow. We're looking to do these events every two months, um, approximately uh, online and in person. So um, any events that we are having in person, we will have them online as well. So you can join us from wherever you are around Australia. And the format today, we're doing a panel discussion. We'll be doing more talks and networking events, but we really want to hear from you. What do you want to get out of this community that way they're here for? We're only going to be as strong as the people that it serves. So we really want to hear your voice, get involved and tell us what you want to get out of this community. We'll be uh, sending a follow-up survey after this event to sort of find out what you want to get out of it. And our next meetup will be hosted by the great folks at Yellowfin BI. That's going to be on Wednesday, the 4th of August at 6pm. And it's going to be in person hosted by Yellowfin at their head office in the Melbourne CBD. Uh, again, that will be accessible online if you're not in Melbourne or if you can't make it in person. And fingers crossed in Melbourne, we will be able to be having it. Um, and uh, we're still working through what the theme's going to be, but please tell us, what do you want to hear? What's keeping you up at night as a CS practitioner? What's interesting to you? What do you want to find out about? And a great way to let us know is through Slido. There's a section over there for ideas for the upcoming event. And again, we'll also be asking that in a follow-up survey. Now I'll hand over to Simon to introduce your panellists for the night. Thank you very much, Sam. And uh, as, as mentioned, my name is Simon. Uh, very happy to see everyone here tonight. Thank you very much for, for joining. Um, we have some fantastic guests tonight, so I'd just like to jump in and uh, introduce our guest. So our first guest is uh, Mark Woodrow. And Mark is a Microsoft 365 evangelist uh, and customer success leader at Engage Squared. Um, so with extensive experience in digital technology, Mark is a customer success lead. 
um, and a, a senior communication strategist who is well regarded as a strategic thinker, advisor, facilitator, and manager. Um, having been in customers, a customer success leader throughout the transition from account management to customer success, Mark possesses a plethora of knowledge and understands the value that the CS trade offers uh, to, to a variety of industries. So Mark has a strong interest in innovation, customer experience, design thinking, and social collaboration for business. So welcome, Mark. Um, secondly, secondly, we have uh, Abby. So Abby Goodfellow. Uh, Abby is the APAC manager for, of customer success at Deputy. Um, and a bit of a background on Abby. Uh, she started in SaaS sales at then a little known startup called Yammer. So um, after her time with Microsoft, she's continued to pursue the goal of helping people uh, to do their best work. So doing so in a range uh, of roles from customer success to uh, community manager, from organizational change management to consulting. Um, and she's built, uh, grown and been a part of communities everywhere from Amsterdam, London uh, to Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, in order to learn, teach, bring together and meet others passionate about the same things. So she's uh, an adoption specialist and a self-professed technology geek. She enjoys coaching customers and colleagues alike to define what they want to be successful at uh, and then helping them to achieve it. So again, welcome, Abby. Very happy to have you here. And finally, we have Taz. Taz is a manager of customer success at MYOB. Um, she has a passion for designing business solutions that enhance the customer experience. Uh, and this has naturally led her to uh, the customer success space. So she leads a, a number of highly engaged, uh, high-performing teams globally um, that are dedicated to ensuring the business achieves its key objective. Um, so ultimately producing happy and successful customers. And her aim is to always be a strong customer advocate and ensure the voice of the customer is understood and reflected across all parts of the business. So welcome, Taz. Um, and so with all of that said, uh, I might pass it over to Sam to kick us off with the first question. Thanks very much, Simon. Um, right, so we'll jump in. So, um, so team, everyone, so everyone can understand your perspective of customer success. Could you start with telling us a bit about your company, the products that you work with and the customers you're working with? Are they high touch, are they low touch? What sort of industries um, are you working with? So we can start to yeah, get a bit of an understanding about your perspective of customer success and, and what it means to your organization. Um, Mark, could we we'll start with you? Sure, and uh, thanks for organizing this and welcome everyone. Uh, I am... Well, I've had a customer success career for, I don't know, eight, eight or so years. Um, and I've been involved uh, in uh, mainly in high touch and mainly um, dealing with en enterprise um, customers. Uh, so I started off um, uh, with, uh, with Yammer and Microsoft um, uh, about seven or eight years ago with uh, Abby was one of my uh, uh, colleagues. Uh, on a global team and uh, that was very much uh, um, we defined that by it being high touch globally we had 50 I think um, um, customer success managers I've worked at a startup I worked in um, media monitoring and running customer success teams um, at different levels and now um, I'm an evangelist but it's a customer success um, title by a different name that's why I have a customer success expert um, t-shirt on for everyone um, and uh, uh, and so 
primarily I still do um, the high touch, um, but I do I, I, I do things. I, I feel like things like blogs, webinars, uh, contact with customers that way um, is is the way that they'll probably do the um, the low the low touch um, work. Um, and industry-wise, um, uh, I've worked uh, with uh, lots of different industries, but I think there is there is there is something um, each each place that you work in customer success has its own culture by definition. So it's different. You might be doing high touch enterprise, but it's going to be different from one organization to the next. And I'm sure we'll get onto that um, um, as we um, um, talk through um, ideas of approaching customer success. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Abby, over to you. Can you tell us a bit about your background at Deputy and the customers you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. So Mark stole my thunder in terms of my bit of my background. So Yammer and then Microsoft, and then actually a bit of time at the company he's currently with. So it's very, you can't get away from Mark, basically, if you try. Um, now I work for a company called Deputy. So we are a SaaS company headquartered in Sydney uh, that do workforce management with a mission to simplify shift work. Headquartered in Sydney, but we have offices in London and the US as well. So we have a global reach, which is very exciting. My bread and butter background has been high touch, as Mark mentioned, but my current role is I manage the team in, my, in um, APAC that does both SMB and mid-market up to strategic uh, customer success. So for me, it's really been geeking out recently about how to make sure that we can deliver a great customer experience and help customers reach their goal at scale to cover that more SMB side of the business, especially um, during COVID when a lot of our industry main industry customers because we um, particularly look at retail hospitality as well as healthcare uh, as well as covering a range of other industries um, but they're kind of our, our main ones that we work with uh, they were heavily hit during covid so that was a real big practice for me in scaling customer success for customers who are really impacted and how do you project empathy at scale and support them in a way that makes sense fantastic thanks abby and over to you taz yeah, hi. Um, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, really nice to see so many people on the call. Um, my background, you know, I've been in customer success uh, for about five, six years, but uh, most recently, it was about eight months ago now, I joined MYOB um, and it was to join to, to really develop the function. So previously, they, they didn't have a customer success function. Uh, so when we talk about kind of the state of customer success in Australia, I think that's that's an interesting point, right? Which is quite a, one of the largest tech companies in Australia and, and customer success is relatively new to, to the company. Not saying that we didn't have a great focus on customers or that you know, great customer success initiatives weren't happening, but of course it wasn't, um, it wasn't centralized and, and wasn't coordinated in, in one place. So um, yeah, it started eight months ago, uh, obviously NYOB accounting and uh, more broadly kind of business a uh, management platform uh, in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I'm setting up the customer success function for um, the accounting and professional services space. So working with close to 8,000 customers and ranging really from small um, sole um, accountants to bookkeepers to kind of uh, large accounting firms like EY. So really having to think through what our segmentation looks like, how we deliver um, high touch uh, customer success for those larger, more complex uh, customers, as well as, um, yeah, uh, more tech touch and, and uh, low touch customer success for this smaller cohort. 
Fantastic. It definitely seems like we have uh, quite a, a diverse group of um, uh, customer sets, um, given that everyone's experiencing and, and working with SMBs to enterprise and trying to figure out how we're going to, uh, you know, how to scale that, that experience with different customers from low touch to high touch. So it's really an interesting dynamic there. And I suppose leads us directly into our next question being, we'd love to learn more about your exposure, um, each of your exposure to the way that the industry has evolved um, over the past few years um, and how that scaling, how, how all of that um, differs to, to what customer success um, is today. Um, and so I suppose the question being, uh, what has been uh, your journey into customer success and how have you observed the evolution of the trade since becoming involved? So maybe we could uh, kick that off with uh, Taz. Yeah, sure. Um, look, so in terms of my journey, uh, I fell into customer success. I think a lot of people might say that, you know, they kind of fell into it. Um, and often it is because um, of just personalities as well. I find that there's a certain personality, certain interest that really falls into that space. I think people who really like to think that kind of the bigger picture, like to, you know, you know com um, join the dots, pull the threads all together and um, people who are real, really uh, inclined to really want to help um, and, and find solutions for customers. So um, my background is in process management, continuous improvement, service design, and I was um, rolling out a kind of continuous improvement program at, a, at an organisation and started using um, some software to help me with that and then fell in love with the software. Um, still the best process management software out there. If anyone's interested, I'll let you know who they are. Um, but yeah, so started using it, loved it and um, then got to know the company. And it was at that stage, it was a small New Zealand company. Um, and they asked me to come on board and help with the implementation of the software and the onboarding of customers. And it was a really amazing experience for me in terms of seeing customer success and seeing how successful customer success can be as um, a, a culture because customer success was at the core of everything that organization did because it came from the top. So it was something that the founders really believed in and you could see how it flowed through to the sales team, to the support team, to the um, product team, to customer success, you could see it in terms of the, the handshakes between us. So we even had sales, you know, as they passed on the sales um, through to, to the onboarding team, you know, they documented what the goals of the customer was. Um, we didn't get as far as getting them to document the success measures. <laughs> we were aiming for that, but we didn't get that far. But still, you could really see that they were thinking through what success was going to look like for the customer. And then that flowed through um, all the way um, to the customer success team. But it was an incredibly high touch model in terms of the actual customer success team. Um, we could get away with that. We had a smaller uh, group of customers, um, but it was incredibly successful in terms of the, the number of our customers that were advocates. Um, then we were actually purchased by a US company, a, a bigger US company. And um, it was interesting because they had just set up a customer success function. So I think often you compare US and Australia and you think, US um, is much more mature, but in this example anyway, they had just set up um, a function. We're really looking to us to try to think through how to build it out. Um, but we did go from having, you know, five, six, seven hundred customers to thousands overnight. So then we had to think through, okay, well, how do we scale what we do? 
we know we do it well, but how do we actually get this out to um, a broader customer base? So um, that's where I started thinking through kind of segmentation models and health uh, measures and, and we implemented Gainsight at that stage as well um, and really tried to accelerate um, the way that we did customer success. Um, and I think because of the maturity of the US market, um, we were dealing with mostly execs in the US, we probably were able to accelerate that uh, a lot more than um, we possibly could have if we didn't have that maturity. So we were able to very quickly get our segmentation models and operationalize our playbooks and get out um, the, the analytics together to do our health scores and so on. So that was a really interesting experience. And then um, I jumped over to NYB because I saw this other opportunity of again, building a customer success function from scratch. Um, and that's been very interesting comparing it uh, again from the US market to the AE market. So I'll, I'll pause there. I've got lots more to say, but I'll pause there because I'm, I'm obviously very keen to hear from Abby and Mark as well. Yeah, I can pick up on my journey a little bit. So um, it's a bit of a funny anecdote, but I I also fell into customer success. I was um, lead generation, so in the sales side of the business at Yammer. Um, very early days, I was in the satellite office in London when the headquarters was in San Francisco. And I remember there wasn't enough phones for the salespeople. So you kind of had to share and make sure you weren't calling people at the same time in the days of physical phones. Um, and I remember one time there wasn't enough chairs. So one of the girls had to sit on the stairs. So it was pretty startup life back in the day. Um, and I knew I should move across to customer success when a prospect at the time messaged me and said, you're the nicest person I've never bought from. And I was like, I think I probably am more of the helping people and getting them to adopt side of things. <laughs> um, so I've been in customer success mostly ever since as, um, as Simon mentioned, I did do a brief stint at Commonwealth Bank as uh, Yammer community manager, so helping roll out um, Yammer from within the company, which was really interesting to 40,000 people. So really interesting to be that side and also be the person who gets helped by customer success managers from Microsoft in that role. Um, there were two amazing customer success managers that helped me roll that out as well as Office 365 uh, as part of a wider team. And they had such different approaches. That was a huge learning experience for me in terms of what how to adjust as a customer success manager, how to receive it and um, the different options in terms of personality types and the, the ways you can go about it from a customer success perspective and what works and what doesn't. So that was a really interesting experiment for me. Um, in terms of how I've observed the evolution of the trade, that's a really interesting question because I started in London. Um, so it was more kind of the EMEA side of things, but Yammer was really great at thinking about customer success early. So it was 2012, um, quite forward thinking and that they already had ratios of how many customers to CSMs they wanted and how they were going to build that as they scaled, which looking back is so revolutionary. We had a really strong playbook, a really strong idea about the global presence. So Mark was in Australia and I was in London and yet I spoke to him. He'd probably say too much, but um, <laughs> but I'd say at least once a week and we really shared ideas, customer stories was such a thing. So that really showed me how it could be really early on. Um, and then it was interesting going into Microsoft where customer success was quite a new concept, but account management was very strong. So the learning there was about how to be a customer success manager with a really strong account management function there, as well as a really strong account management team. So I think we on the call will mostly know that they're quite different and distinct. But since then, I think I've, I've dealt with a lot of companies, both within them and, and just talking to different people where they can be quite modeled. Um, 
And so in terms of the evolution of the trade, I'd say there's becoming a stronger differentiator between those roles, what CSM does, um, how to measure it, how to have some amazing tools have developed onto the market of how we can um, better manage our portfolios and things like that. So that's all growing stronger, but it it's still quite patchy and varied depending on which company you go to. And I think regional as well, there's still some quite variations there. Yeah, thanks, Abby. I, I think um, I think there's been a big, uh, there's been quite a ch evolution in Australia. I know I was um, involved in a LinkedIn report two and a half, three years ago when customer success was one of the five fastest growing roles in Australia. So, it, and, and it still is a growing role. So, so um, when I, I started, there was, um, you know, less than a hundred customer success managers looks like it looked like in Australia. Um, and that sort of ramped up to a few hundred. And then, then they were sort of um, LinkedIn was sort of tracking sort of a thousand, a thousand and then 2000 roles being advertised. Uh, so, so it has, it has been, um, uh, it has been high growth and there's been um, in different places, there's been different, they're at different stages. Um, to me, you, um, you, you need to go back a little bit to the history. If you actually go back to what, um, look at customer success, it really, um, it did start in America around um, uh, the term with um, Salesforce. It was around retention. Um, I do a lot, of, a lot of work in adoption, so it's not about sales. Um, it's about it's about growth that actually comes from the customers um, them, um, themselves. And account a good account manager will actually drive in a particular customer um, growth by um, delivering successful projects. Um, but um, I think in customer success, one of the the magic ingredients is in the name itself. The the actual stories that you tell of what customers are doing really well to others, and they become your advocates, and they will tell other people within the organisation um, why what you're offering is such a good thing. So I call it a beachhead strategy, but it's sort of a, it's it's sort of that land and expand organically, as opposed to um, as 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 opposed to uh, just driving it through account management and sales. So I think working hand in hand with those. Um, people and then then across industries and across geographies um there's definitely when i've worked in global teams um you know banks in australia like to like to talk to banks in singapore about how they're doing things well so you can actually and in in, in within industries it can work well so so i, I still think uh there's there's something you can have all the the, the health metric tracking that you want but a really, really good story and a really, really good advocate is going to get you a hell of a long way. Great. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, that's a fantastic point there on the importance of stories in, in customer success. And Abby and Taz, I think I saw everyone nodding when you both said you fell into customer success. So that seems to be quite a, a common occurrence amongst everyone here. Um, Maybe if we could continue um, with a point you're raising before, Mark, in terms of customer success, uh, you know, starting in the US and then where we're at here. And I guess that you know, sort of leads us to the theme of tonight. So the state of customer success in Australia. So could you talk a bit more to the CS landscape in, in Australia? Do you feel it's different to the US or elsewhere? Um, you know, Abby, I know you, you've, you've worked in CS uh, overseas as well. Do we have the opportunity to shape our own culture, um, our own CS culture here in Australia? Mark, if I could start with you. 
Uh, definitely. I think um, it, you'll look, a lot of people will relate to this, but uh, uh, Australia is, uh, is very good. They're very, we're very good at adopting things quickly and new concepts as, and, and in technology. We, 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 we like that. Um, and, uh, and we're also, we're also rebels. There's something in there. There's, there's something about, so I know that, I know that the American teams thought we were, um, yeah, we were, we were a little bit rebellious. Um, and do things a bit differently, but I actually think that's that's um, that's what Australians do. They 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 um, they do things in an agile way, and they'll experiment, and they like to and they like to. Um, I think that's that's there is something about an Australian culture. Whereas if you do customer success, I was lucky enough to go to say Sri Lanka um, and deal with some of the in industry conglomerates in um, there, and uh, and and. and it's it's completely it's complete it's a completely it's obviously a completely different environment and how you you'd run uh, customer success um, in in Asia Pac will be will be slightly different so I think you've got to you've got to be sensitive to the to the cultural things and obviously um, uh, there's there's a difference sometimes uh, you know people um, I think I'll, I'll do an, a, a broad assumption and get myself into trouble here but Americans tend to like to tell people how to do things. Um, Australians quite like to actually um, show people and get involved with people and do things, you know, with them. And, and other areas of the world, they, 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 they actually like to be shown the process and shown what comes before and, and an order of things. Now that's, that's but that, that's an example where I know that, that broadly, you need to take nuances of that wherever country, and then you take what um, the culture of your organization and teams and what have you um, and like all all things diversity um, is what really works so you've got uh, you know Abby and I are not the same age and we're from different places and different sexes or whatever but like it, 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 you'll find that that will actually make, make, make mean that you'll look at a problem in a different way and come up with a, a different solution so I encourage any any um, group to not think there's a one type of customer success manager I think you uh, I think you've got diversity um, uh, you'll, uh, you'll 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 lead to sort of um, lead to success just by its very nature of a good being a good fit. I feel like Australia is also as a market, it's um, it's quite close knit. That's one of the things mm. I'd noticed when I came from London that people know each other here. So you, customer success is so vital because it's such a small close knit community and word of mouth is so strong here. So it is really worth building those relationships and investing in CS um, everywhere. But that is the one thing I've noticed in this region, particularly how important it is. Yeah, relationships are so important. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely don't want to position myself at all as, as an expert in this. And I can only really speak, you know, from my experience, uh, having worked in both the US uh, company um, and now an Australian, uh, a large Australian company. Um, there are some elements that I've definitely seen in the Australian market around um, customer success, um, being a bit of a, a, a pseudo um, account manager role in a lot of um, a lot of the the roles that I've seen advertised, um, and so I think definitely really expanding um, the understanding of customer success and account managers being very separate, working really closely together, um, providing a, a lot of value but different value. I definitely uh, see that as something that. Um, we probably still need to progress on. 
Um, I think also um, I hear a lot about the monetization of customer success. Um, and I hear that a lot, mostly from um, kind of the US market. And I think that could possibly be because, you know, as you become more mature uh, in the way that you deliver customer success and the value you provide, then you can start thinking through the monetization of, of, of that. Um, I personally haven't seen a model that has worked very well in that space, but I know I'd be super interested to hear if others have. Um, but those are the two things that really come to mind when I think about kind of the state of customer success and, and where we're at compared to, to other regions. I might just jump on that point there you made, Taz, on sort of monetization of CS, because there has been a, a question popped in, I'm not jumping too far ahead to the Q&A, but just thought it was topical that, you know, do you think CSM, someone's asked, do you think CSM should talk money and renewals with their clients? So are you saying there that you feel that um, that that as a function is more focused on in the US compared to here, or or is that rather the um, the way that CS customer success managers are treating um, you know upsell opportunities and and expansion within the current um, the clients that they work with? Yeah, so I suppose the way I see that question is more around that expansion charter. So if you think through the kind of the core charters of of customer success, you know, adoption, uh, retention, expansion, then it's probably just, you know, saying, hey, you know, what role do we have in that um, expansion space? And I I personally believe we have a very, um, a very important role. Um, what that looks like, again, probably depends on, on um, maturity of, of, not even that, but the, the context of, of where you're working. But um, I think absolutely from a renewals perspective, um, but, you know, we are so well placed to be kind of the growth engine of, of the organisation. So be it uh, identifying um, services revenue, if you do happen to have paid services, then obviously customer success is, is the perfect place to do that. Um, but in terms of, of um, you know, additional uh, rev around software, uh, I think, you know, you could either be a lead generator and that's fine, but there's also room um, for... Um, actually uh, dealing with kind of more simple um, upsell and, and expansion opportunities for sure. Um, not saying that we, you would then take away the responsibility of account managers, but it's, it's about saying, you know, what would be best placed in customer success versus the sales um, function. And I think those kind of simple, like might be additional seats or something like that uh, makes a lot of sense to sit in customer success. Whereas the larger things like modules, additional modules, um, might then be pushed out to the sales function to, to um, work on. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give a really head start to this one because I'm still trying to work out what makes most sense. Um, but for, and also I'm that strange breed of person who actually really likes talking about renewals and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. I think it's my little year in sales I did coming to haunt me every now and again but um but in terms of I'm quite a purist as well right I think customer success as soon as we start talking about numbers and money and haggling with customers then we we lose an element of trusted advisor and so it's really about treading that line as to yes if it's a really straightforward renewal um and it's not a new sales cycle and you're not going to have to you know take a lot of the time that you should otherwise be spending on adoption of customers and managing your portfolio and making sure they're really successful and loving your, your and getting great value for themselves. Yes, that can work. Um, but 
it's also about understanding trying to make sure you don't create a gray area with sales. So if we are dealing with money and renewals and things like that, where do we stop and where do they start? I think personally, I find it clearer just to have CS deal with adoption, um, drive expansion and then hit it over to account management or sales to, to do that more commercial side. But I understand that in a lot of organizations that's just not practical just due to numbers and the like. Yeah, good point. I, I think just quickly, the, 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 the trick is, is the, the timing of some of the engagement. So a good customer success person wouldn't necessarily just be turning up at renewal time that you can have teams. Uh, and they'll also be turning up when it's actually um, uh, what's important to the customer. So it'll be around their cycle, not your cycle. So, so you can tell this renewal process, um, uh, yeah, that that uh, you, the, the 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 way the, the place to do good work around renewals is is often three six months um, before at, at, at things that are actually important to the customer. Um, so, uh, because by definition, um, your renewals with with happy customers, successful customers, they'll grow and uh, and, and be happy. So, I guess that's. That's one of the, the, the tricks you can use. And I noticed in, um, in Slido, some of the dissatisfied customers, you've got to be careful, obviously, not to have too much there. But there was a way I often found that um, we talked about having um, red dots and green dots and amber dots as whether, um, and Abby's giggling all over the place. But, but if someone is a red dot, they're sort of, they're really sort of anti your service or they think they've got something and they're not, they're not even dissatisfied. They don't really know. Um, and they're just a bit objectionable. Um, and sometimes working with those customers who actually, um, uh, you can actually turn them um, around and if you can get them to be, you know, lukewarm and amber, and then they often become your advocates. So I wouldn't say concentrate on all your, your dissatisfied customers, but bear in mind that there's nothing there's nothing, nothing makes a greater advocate than someone that thought they were, something wasn't working and a customer success manager helped to turn them around. They, they will become, um, you know, so, so I think there is some value in uh, um, um, doing work with um, sometimes with dissatisfied customers if you can stomach it. Yeah, I, I think interesting. I'm just looking at the questions as well on Slido and, and you often do hear, you know, this idea of the trusted advisor and and you know, wanting to maintain that and how important it is in customer success and how that could potentially be at odds with, with the, the um, expansion or the sales role. But I, I think actually, um, and Mark, you've touched on this as well, you know, if, you, if your customers are successful, they will grow. And so it's about the conversation you have. And so as a trusted advisor, you talk through what is in the best interest of, of the customer and that growth opportunity is likely in the best interest. And as part of those conversations, you're making sure that it aligns with where they want to go and that you have very clear success metrics to show the, the, um, the benefit of, of that growth. So I think um, you can still very much hold on to that idea of a trusted advisor and still be expanding the account. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a common theme here around um, not uh, maybe maybe trading um, as as Abby mentioned that just being careful um, not to overstep the line. Obviously, we want to maintain that um, uh, maintain that sort of figure of uh, being a trusted advisor and being someone that they can go to and genuinely ask a question or have a concern and know that they're not going to you know feel taken advantage of. For example, so 
Um, I think that also ties into the previous question in regards to having that cultural intelligence, having that cultural intelligence, having that emotional intelligence of where you're working in, in different countries and, and understanding where that line actually is. Um, so I think that's a big, uh, it seems to be an important um, uh, aspect to take into consideration as well. Um, and, and actually leads into our next question, um, which is in relation to the way, the state of the world at the moment, um, and obviously we've, we've all had to adjust um, to a new way of working uh, and, you know, in-person in customer interactions are less common now uh, and we're working in the office less. Um, so on, on the one hand, we might be finding it easier to engage with customers through online mediums, but, um, you know, we'd, we'd love everyone today to leave with one, one tip or trick um, to basically uh, provide some, some advice or, or, or a trick uh, you can provide to CS professionals for forming strong connections uh, with customers in the COVID era. And maybe we could um, open, open it up to the floor. I was gonna say, Abby, um, you, you were mentioning you know, this idea of empathy and how important that was. And yeah, I thought that makes a little sense to me. I'd love to hear more about that one. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I should say on this, but I'll be quite transparent with you all. Um, so because a lot of our customers were heavily impacted industries. I know Australia, we had it, we were quite lucky, um, but a lot of customers were, a lot of our customers were heavily impacted during that time of lockdowns. And so we actually diverted a lot of our normal resources. So recruitment, because we'd paused recruitment during that time, uh, sales, because not much was happening there, but also just because we thought it was the right thing to do. We recruited, we um, pivoted as well, of course, as customer success. And we set up a bit of a team to call our customers, as many as we could, starting with our strategic ones, and but just getting to as many as we could, um, who we thought would be impacted, and mostly just asking if they were okay. And this sounds really naive, but it was great. We got to talk to lots of customers who um, had really, you know, heart-wrenching stories of owning this business, or if they're on the bigger end of the scale of how much that was impacting them and some of the plans they had to do. And just us calling them and saying, are you okay? Is there anything we can do to help? Was so good for long-term relationship. And Yes, we had to make some discounts and we had we implemented a, a capability in our product where we could pause, where customers could pause the account, which wasn't there before. So instead of having to churn, they could just pause and lock down their account, but they could still access the information they needed to, um, for example, because it's workforce management, to be able to do their job keeper, job keeper data and proof of who had worked and all that kind of stuff. So Again, that was about taking our product team and saying, stop what you're working on. What do our customers actually need now and how can we best serve them? So I think that worked really well. And we've created some amazing advocates off of that, but also we just as a company did the right thing, I think. Um, and so look, it's not a long-term thing. It was very COVID specific, um, but in terms of how to, we created a great base that now if customers know they're in trouble, they know we're here to help and they know we're, 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 the, we're, the, we're the company who helped them do the right thing really. Um, I love I love that idea. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, no, I was just going to say uh, um, I'm very lucky to be working with um, uh, with uh, Microsoft 365 and Teams in particular because that's just boomed in the last uh, um, the, the you know over this COVID period. That's um, uh, and Microsoft itself you know work um, remotely and use um, these these tools and and then Engage Squared. I I help. Um, um, companies deal with sort of how to do the, the, the virtual stuff and how to do work in a blended way. Um, I, I think the, um, 
the, a couple of um, quick tips is um, if you if you're if you're using your virtual tools, there's something called um, you should look it up. But work out loud is really important, so people actually do their work visibly and people can see it. I think that really helps in this um, when you're sort of working virtually um, to the point where you can actually be working together. <laughs> Um, on things so so there's no point in having private chats and private channels and what have you be open about what you're you're, you're doing um so and, and what, it, what things like this you're joining to let people know that they um, um that becomes um that's something to, um, um to look at you look up a guy called john stepper he's um really good on um on uh um, working out loud um and the other the other thing to watch is some I know that a lot of management is trying to work out how to have this blended workforce, but I think the reality is um, the workforce. A lot of a lot of us want to work from, you know, from wherever. I say so. So so I, I guess enabling them to do that, and certainly not trying to think, track them to come and work three days a week at the office and all that. It's just it's getting pushed back. So I think um I think companies have to be um. And we, we advise them as you know customer success people is to sort of um, try and enable people to to um, to work with uh, from anywhere in a blended way there's and there's great advantages obviously in doing things some um, face to face um, uh, um, of course I had one coffee meeting this year um, uh, and with uh, with uh, and their coffee meetings are great for customer success people I highly recommend them they're the best check-in you can do um, and um, and James Dello actually um, uh, uh, joined joined us as on the basis of that uh, that that coffee. So it's also good for your own careers, and it's also good for your recruitment if you're recruiting people. So that's a poaching tip, is it, Mark? Yeah, co <laughs> good coffee. Good coffee. Yeah. <laughs> he is the customer yeah. expert. So. Yeah, uh, I think carrying on the same thread, actually, um, one thing that I, I think has probably been discussed a fair bit. Um, as people have been um, working remotely and, and using tools like Teams and Zoom and so on to, to communicate to customers, it has allowed us to humanise ourselves, our companies, our customers a lot more as well. And I think that's been really interesting. So I know I've got a little, um, you know, background on at the moment, um, but, you know, often, you know, when I, when I say to my team, in the conversations we have with customers, like, take off the background. And so, you know, your customers can see that you know you've got a bit of a messy um you know room in the background and, and you know the doorbell rings for the third delivery of the of the hour because you've been doing so much online shopping or you know your kid runs in you know wanting to um i don't know open a jar or whatever it is that type of thing really actually helps you connect and you know back to that that um point you made Abby, about relationships and how important it is in the australian market well, that's just like the perfect way to, to strengthen those relationships because you you have, and we're all in a similar position, right? We're all trying to juggle, juggle this crazy world that we're in. So I would say that's probably uh, a big uh, tip and that I've given my team anyway in those calls. I'd agree with that as well in terms of also just setting aside time at the beginning of calls to have that human chat with mm. your customers and also internally. Um, we'd have that if we were in person, you'd have that moment where you walked through the door. So it's about consciously creating those so that you are making those connections. The one thing I have actually struggled with during COVID, I think more than, or during remote customer success, more than I did in person was how do you, and this is more one back to the, back to you all, I guess, but 
how do you form the relationships with other stakeholders or how do you in the if you go to a big customer's office and then they introduce you to other people you're starting to to get those already whereas I find it a lot harder especially if a lot of people join um, a conference call it's much harder to build those relationships there's not those moments when you're walking between rooms where you can kind of have that side conversation so if anyone has any tips for those please send them across <laughs> or Mark or Taz do you have any? It's a really good point, Abby. I, I, I totally agree. Um, and I don't know if I've got any any good tips, um, but it's definitely one that's worth brainstorming with the team and, and speaking. Yeah, I'll definitely take that one back and speak to the team and talk to them about if they've got any good ideas of what we could do. And it could be um, particular kind of uh, small-scale events where we invite more than just our direct contacts to that uh, event. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a really good one. Yeah, it's a really, it's it's really hard. I the only tip I have is that actually just try and do very brief um, ask people for a bit of their time, 15 minutes of their time if they can check on one-to-one. -one. I think it's the best. Like I'm learning heaps from Taz now. And it means that like uh, I could actually say, could I just have a 15-minute conversation with you about X? Just just make it a single topic or make it that really non-threatening. You might find that that 15 minutes or 20 minutes will actually uh, will will grow into something. I think that's about the only way because you can't really do it in bigger meetings. But you can suddenly say, can I come, can I come and talk to you just about understanding the structure of your um, uh, your business or what have you? I think that's probably the best way. And what's really nice as you've described the uh, relationships and the you know the kids and the cats and other things and the gin and tonics that are all <laughs> that, are, that all appear on your um on your on your um on your screen that actually i think people find that um, um that easier and my my tip my tip is if you can try and schedule a bit of time in for like five o'clock or something people to do start to use that as an excuse to sort of unwind Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Abby and Taz. Yeah, that's, those are some really great tips. And I'd say for me, the key takeaway there is, you know, trying to put aside time and proactively go out of the way to have these interactions with our customers that we're not getting to have organically um, anymore. Um, and I'd say a good, uh, a good way to roll into the, the Q&A. Again, everyone, um, feel free to ask your questions in Slido. We posted the link there and we probably got time to get through a few here. Um, so the top one, the one that's been upvoted uh, the most at the moment is from Mary. Thank you, Mary, for asking that. Uh, what methods have worked best in turning a disengaged customer around? And I'd say that, you know, that's in particular rolling off from now we're working in, um, you know, the online environment, taking that into account, what are, what are some good um, strategies that you've used, um, especially in, in, in terms of uh, where we are at the moment in turning disengaged customers around? I'll, I'll throw that to the panel, whoever wants to take that one. That's a good question. It's not an easy question. Um, and of course, it depends on the context, it depends on, you know, all sorts of things. Um, you know, we kind of, our catchphrase, um, you know, and there's a few people, actually there's a couple of people here um, that are part of the team who enjoy it. So, um, uh, this will be close to their heart, but you know, we say, you know, listen, understand and guide. So for me, it would be that first stage of listening. So really listening and really understanding what the issue is before you launch into any um, suggestions on, on, on how to, to improve the situation. So 
I know it's super simple, but it's it's incredibly powerful. And and often, um, particularly if you are a sub subject matter expert or you you know you you have a lot of experience, you can very quickly just jump to the solution um, without really understanding what the core issue is for that particular person um, or company. So, yeah. flipping that on its or flipping it on its head from an experience perspective. So I mentioned I have been on the other side of customer success. And so thinking about this question from that perspective, I think it's always worth bearing in mind that if a customer is disengaged, there, there could be many reasons. And to Taz's point, it's about uncovering what they are because sometimes that's not about your tool, it's not about your service, it's actually about their company context. And so sometimes you have to get a bit creative of being, so what's going on? Is there politics within the team? Is there some new champ, you know, some new owner that's come in and has a different perspective on things? Do I have to turn them around? So it's really about diving deep in those scenarios if it's a very high touch customer and it makes sense and getting a bit creative about how you can help your champions to turn it around in a way that makes sense for that context. And then if I flip it to an SMB or a, a lower touch customer success perspective, the easiest way to turn around a disengaged customer is to stop them getting there in the first place. So from that perspective, data is your friend. Um, so where are the, and so the project we've been working on is what are the, what's the main aha moment and how can we remove the friction for them to get there? Because once they reach that aha moment, it's a lot easier to keep them happy, healthy and, um, and renewing and expanding and advocating for you than it is if you dropped them off somewhere before. So yeah, from that perspective, it's about understanding, really mapping the customer journey and understanding where that main friction can be and then creating temporary and long-term solutions as an organization to try and help that customer has an amazing experience so they never get to that point. That disengage point, not the hard point, that's the point. <laughs> Uh, look, the, the two, the other two are too good on this topic. But just quickly, I think um, uh, value add is is what we're in the business of. So find a way to 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 um, add some some value. Um, often the disengaged people are. It's finding that they're not necessarily your immediate contacts, um, and that might, that sometimes it's simple. Like, can we bring another customer that has the same problem, or can we run a workshop for you? It's actually really easy for the people that I know are in customer success to do those things. They, that's not hard, necessarily hard for us, but from a customer point of view, they don't, you know, get them in a the room and facilitate a workshop. They don't get the opportunity to do that very often or bring another customer in um, uh, um, to talk to them about how to deal with the problem. They certainly don't get that opportunity. And I guess that's um, that's the, that's a couple of the, the things in your toolkit that you can occasionally bring up. Yeah, I, I, just to add to that as well, um, you know, obviously listening, understanding, and once you do understand what the issue is, I think the other important aspect, um, and you know, you spoke about this toolkit, I, I'm a big, big advocate and supporter of have your case studies, have your kind of your use cases there to pull out. So you need to be able to, um, as you identify what the issues are, then give really real life practical examples of things that again, show the value you can produce that aligns with the, the need of the customer. So for, for me and the team, when I speak to the team about you know, uh, what they should have in their toolkit and what they should focus on, it's yeah, have a lot of stories. Mark, back to your point about stories, have a lot of stories there that you can tell because that's going to make the most impact.
fantastic. Thanks all. Um, and hope that answers your, your question, Mary. I don't think it turned out to be too hard in the end. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Well, um, I, I think at this point I'll, I'll hand over to Simon to, to wrap up and then um, send us all into some break rooms for, for, for a networking opportunity. Thank you very much, Sam. And thank you to all of our guests and for all of the questions. I think it's um, uh, exceeded our expectations. It's been fantastic um, so far. So um, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for your, your engagement. Um, just before we, we close up um, for the next portion, uh, we'd love to send you out into a few breakout rooms um, and allow yourselves to engage with each other, um, ask each other a few questions. Um, and what we'll, what we'll do is we'll keep the chat open for about 10 minutes and after 10 minutes uh, we'll give you a one minute warning uh, and then end the call at the end but before we do that i just want to say um please uh get get your network involved feel free to share with um your friends or other people in the industry to come along and make some suggestions and give us some feedback for our next topic um and feel free to follow us on linkedin that's where we are currently going to be updating uh, all of our future events and and things that are happening in this space um, and we'll follow up with a bit of a survey. So again, we'd love to have your feedback to understand exactly what you want to see in the next, um, the next session. We'll take that feedback on board and then be able to um, coordinate uh, a, an event that touches on those topics. So um, thank you very much for uh, being involved. And as a topic before we get into the breakout rooms, um, you know, we'd, we'd encourage you to discuss uh, you know, the topics that we've discussed today. So where you think the, the industry is heading, uh, and therefore, you know, what topics you'd like to then be covered in our next event. So um, as I put you into breakout rooms, I'll break you out. So there'll be five rooms. Um, feel free to stay for the 10 minutes. Again, I'll give you a one minute warning uh, before the end and um, hope to see you at the next event. Really appreciate your attendance and I'll, I'll see you then. Thanks everyone for coming. Enjoy the, uh, the breakout rooms. Thank you all. Yeah.